witches knocking on my front door. God knows I'm tired of being broken for. My prayers answered, there's so much in store. Wanna stack cash from ceiling to floor. Money, money, you're welcome here, my friend. Money, money, we'll have a perfect plan. Money, money, I welcome you, my friend. Money, money, stick with me to the end. Money. The Talking Cash Podcast with your host. Ben Blanchard. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Talking Cash Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Blanchard. Today, my good friend, stand-up comic, and one-third of the Dead Kevin sketch group, Jack Robichaud, sits down with me to talk cash. He discusses what it was like to grow up in small-town Wyndham, New Hampshire, an outside suburb of Boston, his move to Fitchburg, Massachusetts to study film and writing, and eventually the big move out to La La Land to pursue a career in entertainment. Jack, a lot of his material has to deal with money and how he struggles with it, so it was really nice to talk to him about what he's going through in a day-to-day life regarding his finances. So I hope you guys enjoy the talk. No shows for me this week. We uh, delayed the common show because a lot of the performers are in Austin, Texas for the South by Southwest Festival. But stay tuned for more upcoming dates for the Common Show and other shows coming up in March and April. Guys, if you like the podcast, please help send it around, send the love by subscribing, commenting, liking, and sharing all that social media stuff that we do in this day and age to promote ourselves, our brands, and our friends. Please subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes and enjoy the episode with my friend, Jack Robichaud. Hello. Oh, there he is. There's the old boy. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right, tight. Old Jackie boy Robichaud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we starting? Yeah. That's... All right, fuck it. Right into it. Old Jackie boy Robichaud, <laughs> a.k.a. Rib Sauce, a.k.a. Mr. Poop, <laughs> a.k.a. John. Yeah. Don't tell people that one, though. Oh, shit. Yeah. Don't, don't tell him, John. Yeah, I'll I was. T- I'll tell him. I was so surprised to see when you Venmoed me money that it said John, and I was like, "Who the fuck is John?" That was the first time you heard about it. Well, I knew that like that's the classic nickname for for John is Jack, but I never told you before that. I don't think so. No, we've been friends for a little while. Yeah, we've been friends for like what, uh, like three years? Yeah, you didn't know. It. Yeah, that's the first time you found out. Shit, through Venmo. God damn it, Jack. Yeah. It's yeah. when I go on the grid. That's when people find out. <laughs> yeah, just straight. What my name is. <laughs> We've been uh, been friends for what three years? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. We met at Westside. Yeah, Westside Comedy Theater. Westside, chill. Westside, chill. That place is such like our. Uh, that's everyone's like little holy ground. Yeah, I love that place. Westside Comedy Theater. Represent. Dot com. Yeah. Show seven, the, show, the, show seven nights a week. Is that the IRL? <laughs> is that the correct IRL? I think it's URL, but yeah. <laughs> I think What's the, IRL? I think the IRL is just Westside Comedy Theater in real life. Oh, uh, okay. And then the URL is whatever that stands for, <laughs> dot com. Nice. Who knows? Computers. Welcome to the Talking Cash podcast. Glad to be here. I'm trying to, we're, in, uh, we're in Jack's apartment right now. Yeah, the podcast come to me. <laughs> yeah, it almost your apartment almost looks like a like a museum. 
Like a like a poor man's museum. In yeah, a way. like a museum with no janitor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. He just like got hired the first day. I was it, like, fuck it. It's filthy in here. Yeah. And if anyone's ever been to my apartment, you'll know what I'm talking about. But there's a lot of character. There's a lot of grit to it. Yeah, there is some There is some character to it. I mean, you have some classic movie posters in here. You've got Tommy Boy, Ghostbusters, Birdman, yep. Willow, Birdman again, yep. Blade Runner. Those Birdman ones were for free. But the frames probably weren't for free. Yeah, they were, actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. You got yeah. some original artwork by John Hale. Yep. And really, probably some from really Ahmed, it. too, right? Didn't Ahmed do that one up there? Yep, Ahmed, uh, Ahmed did that one. Ahmed, that Tommy Boy is actually a gift from Ahmed as well. I remember that. That was on yeah. your birthday, right? It was. Yep. Shout out to Ahmed Barucha. He's a good boy. So we're in uh, we're in Hollywood, California right now. But you didn't... Uh, E-ho. E- <laughs> <laughs> we're in East Hollywood. We're in E-ho. E-ho. <laughs> We are we are in Eho, <laughs> but you are you weren't always here. We're we're New England boys. Yep, yep. We're uh, we're the sixty nine states. We are. Uh, they just been sick. Or I, I like to just think about it just as a big square. Yeah, think it should be it? man. They should just they should just combine Vermont and New Hampshire into one. Ver New Hampshire, Vermont and Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ver New Hampshire. I was thinking simple like New Vermont. New Vermont. Or, yeah. Uh, Old Hampshire. Old Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're for both, Hampshire. We're, <laughs> for sure, Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, we're all the New England boys. That's the, the thing that people always ask me, like when they ask me, like, "Oh, Vermont, New Hampshire." They always ask which one's better, and I just think they're so different, even despite the fact that they are the same state. Flipped. They are them. super different, man. They are because uh, I would go to Vermont. My my mom's side of the family's from Vermont, and uh, I would go over there all the time. I remember it being like a three hour drive. Once you like crossed over, even like the atmosphere was different. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like the it's vibe, like, yeah, like the, the actual, vibe was yeah. a lot different. But it essentially is that at a close look, it's the same. Farm. Maybe it's like I think you guys are a little bit more like like mountainous. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing too. I don't really know any about like about Vermont at all, besides where I'm from. Because you're from Southern New Hampshire. I am. Yeah, Wyndham. Wyndham, New Hampshire. Wyndham, New Hampshire. Can you can you tell me and the listeners a little bit about? What was growing up like in Wyndham, like economically? What kind of the industry was in there and the farm state? I have no idea about that stuff. I was I mean, just uh, from experience. So, so, like, what was what were your folks doing? What was uh, your friends' folks doing? Were they working at factories? Are they working? It was pretty. I think there was a lot of like commuters. Like a lot of people's parents would go to Boston mm-hmm. to, for work most of the time. So, like, New Hampshire was the Wyndham was a super small town, and everybody worked at like. A Dunkin' Donuts or like a, a pizza <laughs> yeah. shop. Yeah, I worked at a golf course for a while, which was awesome. It was kind of, I would say, it's probably like an upper middle class place. I consider myself uh, middle class, but the town was a bit upper class because so there had, was money because it had a town. golf course, a pizza shop, and a Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> well, there was. I think it was just people. It was. Uh, there were these. I remember there was a point in time where you know I, I've lived there my whole life, but up until I was like eighteen, people started like, and it was always like this really like you know quiet town. And then a lot of people start. A lot of these neighborhoods started developing. Where like every house looked exactly the same. Yeah, I think like that was like a trend. In the, I think that was like a '90s suburb trend. Yeah, it was weird. It was like these really like sort of uh, like well paved streets, and it was like they're always kind of looked like undone. 
what I grew up around were these places that looked like they'd been there for like yeah old classic like years. colonial style exactly houses yeah. with big lots of land and yeah maybe, very maybe sort of barn. dark yeah because yeah. everyone's like surrounded by trees uh, which is a, maybe used to live in there yeah it was a cool you know <laughs> you know it was kind of weird I saw that uh, movie Room yeah um, it's about you loved it, it. no it's ever it's a great movie uh, it's about like this guy who kidnaps this kid and this girl or this girl and then he keeps him in like a, like a shed in the backyard and when then when you, when you finally see it at the end of the movie I was like Damn, that's like pretty New Hampshire vibe. Like I, that was my shit. It's like it's almost creepy looking. Like a lot of the houses are like creepy. Yeah, like they're just like. Well, there's a lot of history in the uh, in New England and yeah. Vermont, New Hampshire, and those states. One of the one original thirteen. New Hampshire was right. Yeah, yeah. We were the Vermont was the first out of the Union or the that we were the fourteenth state. Right. So we weren't one of the original thirteen. That's all right. You know, we, we made, still got it. Yeah, we still got it. <laughs> So what did your folks do growing up? They were both like artists in college, and then they neither of them do anything like that. Just kind of a bummer. My mom's always had a job where it's she does really well. She's like a super hard worker, but it has something to do with sales. I love and that. I've like never we still known, don't know. <laughs> I've never known exactly what it is. Like she's explained it to me. She's like just use the words like clients and presentation and. Um, sales and performance quarterly and i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. dude I, i've I never known what it really is i have no idea like my mom i think i just found out my mom she like sells like insurance for like big trucking companies and i just like i still don't even know what that really means yeah it's like pretty you're just kind of like all right i mean i guess i got the gist of it I just tell that she does sales. Yeah, it's like either sales or customer service. Right. She does. She has to do. I think she has to sell stuff to clients, and uh, she's uh, she's done pretty well. And then uh, my dad. Uh, Wait, what are your parents' names again? They have the the best names. Uh, mom's name's Connie. Connie Constance, and uh, dad is Doug. What did Doug do? He well, he works at a golf course now, right? He he's done that, I think, for the majority of uh, while I've been alive. I remember when I was a lot younger because he went to Nam. He's a Nammer. He went to Nam. Seen some shit, probably. And then uh, he uh, came back and I guess got a job like fixing computers, like the insides of like old computers. Like you know he was I mean? a mechanical like, engineer. Yeah, because right now my dad has no clue yeah. how to use. He a knew like the first. But he knew how to like take wave. parts apart, and I think he just learned it for a job. And then he got a job at a golf course uh, down the street from my house that it just had gotten built. And he uh, made friends with like the owner and uh, just started to work there. And that's when he started like golfing, which my dad's a pretty good golfer now, and that's like our thing. We golf together. Um, but I remember a time when he first started, and he was like really bad. He was like a first-time golfer. Yeah. Well, that's funny because, like, golf is usually related to wealth and class. But, like, when you when you have the connections, you can kind of hop on courses for cheap or for free. Yeah, and I worked there. And uh, there was uh, – I, I mean, I worked uh, in the maintenance department, which I liked better, which is, like, mowing grass. And then you work with people that work up in the clubhouse, too. And it's a total two different worlds. Because they're dealing with, like, the, like the guests – all right. the time, and you guys are kind of just on your own. Yeah, we'd get there early in the morning and usually leave by the time a lot of people showed up because I think they didn't want people to like see us. <laughs> was that your first gig ever? Working? Yeah, that was my first. That was my first job ever. First paid yeah. job. Yep. What was the golf course called? 
The Wyndham Country Club. Ooh, WCC. WCC. Yeah. So when you were when you were growing up at Wyndham, and you have like kind of these people who are commuting to Boston, you know, they're probably working higher level jobs than the people that are in the town. Did you feel like the friends that you had and the families around you were kind of at your same economical level, or do you think that there was a disparity between certain parts of the town? Uh, well, there was a, definitely. I had like a I had a really tight group of friends growing up. I'm still like really good friends with all of them. Essentially the same sort of living situations for everybody, but we did have like a friend who was really rich. Like his parents owned like five Dunkin' Donuts. So he lived in a part of town. And, and it was a franchiser. Yeah, and it was weird because like when I talk like richer neighborhoods, he literally lived on like a half a mile long street with a cul-de-sac at the end, and that was where nice houses were. But then if we went to the street over, it would be smaller houses. It was just like one one premier street. Right. Yeah, so, uh, and that was like sort of one of many. There were more than that, but he lived in like a really huge house with like a movie theater. You know, and then I had like friends that were, you know, not doing as well, had a lot smaller places. Is that that DD money? I say yeah. it's funny. I actually thought when I first moved out here, there was no Dunkin' Donuts out here and they're everywhere on the East Coast. And I had that idea. I was like, why don't I just open up a, a Dunkin' Donuts out here? I think there was like a problem with it where they wouldn't let. They well, there's a lot of it. LA has a lot of like mom and pop, like individual family owned donut yeah. shops, I think. Yeah. And that's true too, yeah. Because they're ever you'll see like DKs or like all those other little yum, small yum yums, yum yum <laughs> yum yums donuts, yum yum. But yeah, that's crazy that that guy can make so much money just off franchising Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I mean he owned like five of them, and they were like they owned them. Is that the first friend that you were like, holy shit, this is what? Yeah, that's are? the first time I'd seen like uh, a house or had been inside of a house. Do like you remember that. like what you felt like? I remember the smell. The smell was really like different. It was like <laughs> it was uh it smelled like cash. Like candle there were like candles and stuff. Right. You could smell like candles. It was just like well taken care of. Yeah. And, and not that I mean, my mom was a clean freak, but there was constantly like, like your house just, probably smelled more like cleaning products and they had like a fragrance. Right, yeah. Yeah. Or it just like sometimes like houses around there smell like you can just it smelled like cavernous. You know, yeah, it was like vast, <laughs> almost <laughs> like those like fresh air. And... Yeah, it had an atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, that's always like I always think about that the first time that you see either way, like excessive wealth or extreme poverty, like how you feel, like because it's so right. much different than when you grew, like what you grew up with. Because I was kind of middle class, mm. and all my friends were, but then you have that one friend, and you're like, holy shit. On both sides of it, that's like, right. I can't believe people live this way. It was it was really weird because like I'd I'd have friends that uh, you know the parents would get divorced or something, and then they'd maybe have like two different places, like their dad's oh, place yeah. and their mom's place. Totally, so, like, I never lived in the same town, which was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, I never uh, I had that, and I'd like never had friends come over to my dad's spot. He only lived like fifteen minutes outside of town. Yeah, but he just had like a small apartment, and even back then, like that fifteen minutes was still too much to. To yeah. deal with when all of your other friends like lived in the same neighborhood. You know, it was pretty funny too. Like when I was like really young, like second grade, I had a friend who I'm still friends with him to this day. He used to live right down the street from me in like this small house. And then uh, he moved really early on. He moved in like fifth grade to just another house in town. It wasn't necessarily like a bigger house, it was just like a new house, you know? Mm -hmm. Moved to a new house. Uh, and then. Another guy, another family moved into that house, and I'm, like, friends with that kid. 
I would go to that kid's house when I was like sec- in second grade. And then like years later, I made friends with this kid, went over his house and I was like, oh, this is fucking Sean's old house. <laughs> and I'd walk in and like I'd hang out there being like, I've been here like before you were here. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? After high school, after the golf course, I mean, you worked the golf course through high throughout high school. Yeah, and you're going to college. You're going to you going to Fitchburg State, Fitchburg State College, in yep. Massachusetts. Yep. So when you were when you were graduating high school, was there were there more options for you for education after high school? Did you have like many schools that you applied to? Were you focused on Fitchburg? Was that a financial reason that you went there? Um, I was like a, a awful student in high school, like real bad. Like, 2.5 GPA. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't fail, but just didn't do well. And I, I thought there was going to be a point that I wasn't going to go to college because I wasn't getting into anything. You know, How many like, schools do you remember applying to? I only applied to, like, four schools. Yeah. I applied to uh, Emerson, which was like... <laughs> That's a reach. <laughs> my mom was like, yeah, you're not going to get into Emerson. <laughs> Why don't you just take that application money and yeah, like, you get yourself a knife? Else. Uh, Emerson, uh, UNH, Keene State, and Fitchburg. Oh, Fitchburg dude, was Keen, the last one. Keene was like, wasn't it like basically like they paid you to go there? I got rejected from <laughs> Keene. And yeah, people were like, you'll get into Keene. I was like, yeah, I know. And then I just didn't get into Keene. And then luckily, uh, Fitchburg State accepted me. They took you in. Yeah. I think I wrote, I think it was, uh, one of my teachers told me that I because I think they picked because I went for film, and I wrote like a really like uh, heartfelt sort of like essay on mm-hmm. just like what I liked about like movies and stuff, and I think that probably helped. I think the essay usually does it. Usually gets you in if you're yeah. On, well, it was on one the of the cusp. teachers. One of the guy. It was like whatever for the department. I forget what it's called. Like the dean of the department or something. That like kind of they have to go through the the film admission letters, you know, and. uh one of them was like comment, like he told me after. Like he's like, "Oh yeah, I remember your essay," and I was like, "Oh cool." So were your folks helping you out with the tuition? Somehow I got an in-state, and I'm not from Massachusetts, right. but I got like a not a scholarship, but a like, discount, like a grant or something. Or? Yeah, well, just like a disc. Yeah, it's like if basically if you That's live. So in, funny hearing the word discount, but I think I was so yeah, I think I was so close to college it. half off from from Tuesday yeah. to Friday. Yeah, seriously, it was weird. <laughs> but it was such a cheap school, so uh, it was like a super cheap school. But my mom paid for um, everything. I have no loans or anything. That's awesome. But it was a really cheap school. I think I probably went each semester was like between eight and fifteen hundred. It was super cheap. That's it. Yeah, it was super. Oh cheap. my god, yeah. that's fantastic. Like I have no. I have no student loans. It's all paid off. That's awesome. Yeah. Because everyone that I've had on here that's gone to college has insurmountable student loan debt. Yeah. And I mean, that's because you, I mean, Fitchburg was like a good, but it was a state school and it was super small. And uh, I honestly didn't like, I wasn't going to spend money on like a, one, I wasn't going to get into like a big college. Mm-hmm. But even if I did, like, I was like, I'm not like a good student. I don't even know if I can like yeah. stick this I don't know out. if I can hang. Yeah. But you did. So my mom was like, my mom, my mom was like, you're going to fucking college no matter what. Like somehow you're going to go to a college. Yeah. And I was like, all right. It's funny how that generation like has, they put so much emphasis on college. Yeah. Like it was like, I remember it being really intense. Yeah. I think it sort of changed when we got out. Oh, and cause totally. Then I sort of, I sort of noticed that like I moved out here and it's probably not the same everywhere, but out here, the first like handful of jobs i ever got 
like didn't have I didn't have to show him my degree at all. I don't think you know that I mean? happens anywhere. No, it's just who you know. Yeah, like I think like they look at it, they ask a couple general questions about what it was like to go there, but I've never I don't even know where my degree is. Like Dude, the actual me neither. Physical copy. No, I don't I give a shit. No idea where that is. <laughs> I think I still owe my college like money. Really? <laughs> like I think I like didn't return something or there's <laughs> something that I like owe them still like three or four hundred bucks for. Yeah, my um my uh college sent me like a letter that asked for like a donation. Oh my like, god. Nah man. <laughs> I gave you enough already. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> That's great though. No student loan debt. Yep. Did that help you kind of consider moving out here more do you think that your decision to come out here because you came right after college right did a summer after college yeah that's what i did and too and then i moved out and i was still had to finish an internship so the internship was out here okay so, so do you I, think that if you if you had if you were strapped for like you know say twenty thousand dollars in the hole that you would have maybe been more apprehensive to make that move i don't think so because i think at the time that I was going and, like, college was getting paid for, like, I was so, like, ignorant to to that in general. Mm -hmm. So I think even, like, you know, it would have been – if I did get accepted to, like, a really big school like that, like, uh, I think I would have found out more about how much it costs. Yes, because I, I really didn't because it was so cheap. You probably didn't see it was, a bill in your whole life. Right. It was so taken care of that I was like, I don't even know. Is it – that expensive to go to college? Yeah. Like I didn't right. really understand. Just like, this is just like high school, right? It's yeah, like, pay taxes. Like we're supposed to go here, right? <laughs> yeah. They want us to go here, and we're not paying, right? But then, like, you get out, and you're like, oh shit! Like that cost that cost my parents money. Yeah, you know. Towards the end of college, that's when I figured out. I was like, oh okay, this is what. But then I also figured out how cheap it was. And yeah. I was like, my mom I... even told me while I was in college, she was like. Just be lucky you're not going to have any student loans. That's so great, though, because I I think that's the route to go is undergrad. Just go to a cheap school, get some sort of degree, and then if you really want to pursue a path specifically in education that, that you need college for, mm. then spend the money on a graduate program. Yeah. Because now undergrad programs, they're just like, they're just like getting a high school di diploma. Like everyone has them. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, and I don't think everywhere is the same as out here either. Like, you you know, out here you don't need a college degree to get anything. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure in other places you do to get certain jobs. Right. But, Especially know. if it's more specified right. to the field. Right. Like, we had, like, pretty general degrees. When you made the move, had you – at what point in your, in your college career were you like, I'm going to go out to California, I'm going to pursue a path in, in the creative arts – whether it be comedy or film or writing. I've all, I always wanted to. I was like, I'm going to end up out there somehow anyway because I was really – when I was a lot younger, I was into, like, movies. I was obsessed with, like, movies, and I wanted to be, like, a director. I, like, made movies, you know? So I was like, I'm going to be, like, a filmmaker, so I'm going to move out to L.A. Mm -hmm. like my parents were like, that's where it is. That's what you have to do. So I knew that I'd be out here at some point anyway. Uh, and then in college, it sort of get it got serious when I started talking to people about like an internship that you'd have to do, and then you'd hear about people that moved out here that were like seniors, and they were like, "Oh, I hear he's like working on this thing." And he like they show you see all these pictures like on Facebook of them like at like, like a, on sets and stuff. And yeah, and you're like, "What? And That's fucking you can actually go there and do that." So I did that, and I like got an internship 
and I wanted to write. Like at the end of college, I sort of like lost a love for like, or I, I sort of saw that like directing was like it doesn't really matter uh, what you learn here for directing. Like you need money to direct mm-hmm. movies, you know. But then I got really into writing. Like I was, I took a script writing class and I like really got into it. So I was like, I think I'm gonna focus on that. And I got like an internship at this like old like. It's called Copelson Entertainment. Like, my guidance counselor was just this old dude who, like, he'd been doing it for years. So, like, it was every, like, reference was super, like, yeah. old, you know? He was, so, like, connected in the he 70s. He was like, check out, are you going to go to Copelson? And he's like, <laughs> they're famous for The Fugitive. And, like, all these, like, early yeah. 90s, like, thriller movies. Yeah. And I was like, all right, whatever, sure. So I, like, got that internship. Now they're just doing, like, video on demand stuff. And yeah, like... exactly. And I should have taken, I mean, the route, like, my roommate, John, went, because I went to college with him. He's a DP. He just, like, he said fuck you to them and just, like, called, like, places he could find online out here that, like, did more specifically what he wanted to do. And he had, like, a way better internship. You know, mm-hmm. he just came out and, like, actually worked. But it was still really cool. I got to, like, read scripts and, like, do coverage on them. And, like, I learned a lot from just reading them. Like, yeah. how the structure and, and structure. And uh, so it was really good. Um, but, like, I didn't, you know, I... It's crazy how long ago it was, like, thinking about it now. It was, like, eight years ago. But I just, like, I didn't know anything about this place, you know. Like I, lived I don't think in, anyone really does when they first come out. Like, I think yeah. I, I visited for a week, and I was in Palos Verdes, which is not, isn't really even in L.A. Yeah. But I just remember being like, I need to be out here at some point. Like, it's so awesome out here. And then once, you know, the writing and, and the comedy stuff started getting like kicking in and that was like all right let's finally make the move out here mm-hmm. when you get out here you don't know anything or anyone really well it's funny because i lived in uh basically i got picked up from the airport um and two friends that i went to college with uh were nice enough to like let me live with them for free for a little while so i like lived in like west la uh kind of like almost santa monica and lived there didn't have a car the whole internship so i just would like walk around and this is West L.A. At that point, like, I thought that was, like, Hollywood, like Los Angeles. I was yeah. like, this is Los Angeles, this little area right here. <laughs> right, right. And then, like, we'd start driving around to other places. I started realizing that, like, Hollywood was way different and, like, these different areas, you know. Santa Monica was probably, like, the first different place I saw. I was like, oh, this is, like, way bigger, you know. Yeah, it's expensive. So when you when you made the move from East Coast to West Coast, we were – did your folks help you out? Did you have some cash saved? or How, like how much yeah. did you have saved when you moved out? Well, I started working when I was, like, 14. And, uh, you know, when you're younger and living at home, you don't you can you don't save much. money. Yeah. Like, a lot of money is, like, like 20 bucks. Right. You know? But then after a while, I started, like, really working because I knew I was going to move out here. So I was like, and that's when I took the summer off before I came out for the internship. Mm-hmm. So I took the summer off, worked, like, two jobs i worked at a restaurant and then i worked at the golf course too saved up like ten thousand dollars yeah that's exactly what i moved out here with too yeah so i got ten thousand and uh which i've never had again (laughs) (laughs) that's the only last last and only time i had ten thousand dollars i moved out here with ten thousand dollars did the internship i went back home after the internship just to like i was like i think i'm gonna move so i went back and like got my car um, or my mom gave me her car actually, cause my car died while I was out here for the internship. Right. 
Like, my dad was, like, sending me photos of it, like, getting, like, towed away. <laughs> but the car was awesome. That was the Prelude that I was telling you about. Yeah, the Honda Prelude. The Honda Prelude. Bought it for 450 bucks off of my friend. Uh, but then my mom was like, you know, we're moving to Florida pretty soon. You can take my car. And I had got two friends, and I drove out here, drove back out, took, like, five days. We drove out, and then I got back here, and that's when I, like, was like, okay, I have to get a job. Because you've had a long, you've had a lot of jobs since you've been in LA, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you want to yeah, bring had us, a lot of jobs. Bring us on the history of uh, of the employment of Jack Robichaux while living in LA. Yeah, because I was coming off this internship, so I was like, sweet, I'll just uh, you know I'll get a job as like uh, an assistant to like a director or something, and then I'll show him a script, and then I'll be like, you know, and I'll, I'll be, be a writer. I'll, I'll be, be able to be a writer yeah. in like a year. So <laughs> like. That's when I started looking on, like, Craigslist and all that stuff and started looking for uh, jobs and realized it was, like, impossible. <laughs> and I was, like, sending. I was, like, tired of making a resume, and I was, like, I don't fucking want to do this anymore. So I just, like, got a job at a deli just because I needed to, like, make some money. So I worked at a deli for eight or nine months. And then a friend that I went to college with worked at a production company as, like, a production assistant. And he was leaving to be a freelance PA, so his position was open, and I uh, I got the job doing that. PA work is it's not very glamorous. It's mostly just yeah. shipping stuff, getting stuff for people. Yeah, and this was a great job. It was a really easy, fun job. I had to drive a lot, but like the people there were great, and the money was like awesome. This was like six years ago um, when I started working there, but I, I it was like. It was like $13 an hour, and I was working like 13-hour days, and I would get mileage for whatever I drove, yep. and I drove like a lot. So, But it was cool because like I could just leave and go do a delivery and be in my car, listen to music, uh, and do that, but it completely like ruined my car. Yeah. Like totally ruined my car. And you were doing that like, in the—Jack has a, an old Lexus right now. Was that in that car? It was in that car, yeah. But she's yeah. still she's still kicking. She's still kicking. She's a good. Was she at two two sixty two forty six two forty six yeah, two hundred forty six thousand miles. She's a good girl, and she's probably gonna die soon. But <laughs> don't talk about her that way. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna live forever. Yeah, because when you move out here, it's like you obviously you want to get your dream job and you want to start pursuing your goals as immediate as possible. But you have to work to sustain a life out here. You do, and that's that's where it's interesting. Especially as a creative person, because you, you have to do both. Yeah, and in the midst of that, you know, I had been writing, and I was, like, shooting, like, you know, one-off videos with my friends. Dead uh, Kevin? Just like, Dead well, that, this was way before that. This oh, was this like, is with the Fitchburg guys? Yeah, this is just, like, a couple of random things that I would shoot. We would do that and, like, try to be, like, all right, what do we need? We all wanted to be, like, writers. That was a really great group. I had, like, ten people out here from Fitchburg that were, like, awesome. We would help each other out, and then we each started getting, like, these production jobs, and everyone was, like, doing this production work. And in the midst of that, uh, that's when I started doing stand-up. Mm -hmm. That's when I was, like, I took an improv class at UCB, and that was, like, my first foray into, like, actually doing something about wanting to maybe perform. Because you Cause always wanted to be in the videos, but right. I was, like, never, like, I want to be, like... You wanted to be behind the scenes. I wanted to be, like, a writer and, like, a director, and I was interested in performing. I just, like, never did it. I was, like, afraid or whatever. So I, like, took an improv class, and I was like, okay, that's, this is pretty fun. This is, like, what 
what people do like that. And then I started getting into stand-up. And I had, like, always wanted to do stand-up, too, but I had no idea how it worked. Uh, did stand-up. Ended up doing that for, like, a year and a half while I still had my other job, that production job. That production job started sort of pressure. And then it was, like, three years there. They started pressuring me to, like, leave and go do freelance production because that's sort of what happens. You can't just be, like, you're getting paid PA. too much? Well, you're just, like, doing the same. You're not really building up to anything. You're just sort of, like, going to pick up Were lunch. they offering you anything else, though, within the company? Were they offering well, you Well, the any... thing is, when you work there for three years, you meet all the production teams that work on commercials. So they uh, get okay. to know you, and then it's what happened with the guy uh, who was my last roommate. He left there and started doing freelance PA work. Gotcha. Like, on commercials. I tried to do that, so I was like, all right, you know, I'll quit, and I'll go do that. I think I can do this. Uh, went out and started doing, like, PA work and, like, hated it. Like, on-set PA work. Because this is way different than like, the Like, headset. PA. Yeah. Like, I hated it. It was, like, the worst hours. You'd have to get up at, like, weird fucking times. And they're, like, ordering you around to do yeah, stuff and all it, day. Like, I, and a lot of people did have fun with it. I had fun on some of the ones, but, like, a lot of the, the hours were getting too crazy. And then I was also really getting into stand-up at that point. So I wanted to constantly do that. So I was like, I need another, like, regular job. So I, like, stopped doing the PA work, um, started looking for, like, just any regular job. So in the meantime, were you getting any, like, unemployment checks? No. Or you're just... Going through your savings? No, just going through savings. And this is the point where I, like, just toileted it. I just <laughs> lost all of my money. You know what I mean? And, and this is, what, in a six-month span? This is probably... I was unemployed for six months. Yeah. That's what people don't realize out here is, like, if you don't have a savings, it goes so quick. Yeah, and you uh, that was, like, the first time I had to start paying rent because I lived with people up until that good job. Once I got that new job, finally moved into a place that I could, like, pay rent for. After that, I just started, like, losing money, you know. <laughs> Where's it going? It was like, I was no! I was drinking, you know, I was, like, buying weed, just fucking, yeah. you know. I was, and I still do that, but it's like, <laughs> I got it a little bit more figured out. But I, like, would, I would, I lost all my money to the point where, like, I was, I was living, like, I was, I needed to ask my parents for money at occasions you know like that's always the hardest send me like 200 bucks just like 200 bucks it feels so awful and like it was so great because my parents are uh incredibly like nice about that they're not just giving it they are giving but you know they're and i'm i'm as apologetic as i'm just like i'm so sorry like i feel like a piece of shit and they're like look we get it it gets tough but like you know, this isn't going to be how Consistent, you get money. Yeah. Like, this is, we're going to help you out, but, you know, figure it out. And I always had. This was just the first time something weird was happening because I was like, oh, I found something, like, I really love doing, and that sort of distracted me from just having, like, a job. So there was, like, a lot of stress with that, looking for, like, any job. So I ended up just, like, reaching out to a friend about another production job. I was, like, like an in-house mm -hmm. production job. So, like, one that I, the one that I quit. Started doing that. And that was in a post house. So it was like a like editing. So that was like overnight a lot. And I was like, "Fuck, I can't fucking do this." I was like, "Cause you're missing gigs." I was missing gigs. I was like, I couldn't do gigs some of the time, you know. And I was like, "This is like, I think I was probably three years or four years in at that point with stand up." Mm -hmm. And I was like, "So I was, I was really trying. I was like getting out, but I was like, I, I couldn't go to a lot of mics. I couldn't like." So had you met had you met possible. Ahmed and Ryan at this point? Uh, that's like sort of right around when I, when I met them. Yeah. 
It was. I met them a little bit before that. I met them sort of in like the really downfall phase when I didn't have a job at all and I was really just failing. You were kind of rock bottoming. Yeah, rock bottoming, like real bad. <laughs> it was awful. So for those that that don't know, Jack's a part of a sketch group called Dead Kevin with Ahmed Barucha and Rhino Flanagan. Check him out on YouTube. But he's talking about when they first met. I think you guys met at Westside Comedy Theater, right? Yeah, we did. Ryan was the host of one of the mics. And then Ahmed had just gotten in town from Boston. And he was already, like, you know. Established. Established. So, uh, yeah, but we all got along really well. Um, and then we started making sketches. Because you guys, you made a lot of a lot of videos. And on the cheap, do you have any advice to people that is trying to make content on like a shoestring budget well if you have someone to shoot it that's really all that you need you don't need anything else you know if you want to write it go ahead but sometimes you don't have just find people that you really uh sort of vibe with whatever you want to do you just find people that you like work well with and then uh it'll be easy to just like make something don't overthink it just uh simplicity is simplicity yeah because you guys, I mean, you did all the videos yourself and basically in the same location, just your apartments that you lived in. Yeah, I mean... Which makes things really easy. Yeah, I had an apartment that uh, I could use and I had someone that could shoot stuff and um, and then we could edit them ourselves. So we just we were like, let's just make whatever. We didn't write anything. We just like, we didn't even know what it was going to be until it was done edited you know being yeah done. you guys were just workshopping every time right exactly and it 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 can turn into something if you just like you like have fun with it i want to talk about kind of do you remember the first time that you were paid for a creative thing that you did whether it be stand-up or a video that you guys sold or a deal that you guys got the first time i quit that job i also started like put go up on like la casting and stuff like that with like a headshot that my friend took that i think i still like use now mm-hmm. And uh, I immediately got a job for, and it was ridiculous because it was like the first thing I ever got was off LA Casting, and it was uh, an industrial commercial. I've never seen it. I've never, I don't even know if it's like done or like edited. This was years ago. I think it's one of those things they play in like a hair salon, <laughs> but it was like a hair, it was like a hair product industrial video. And I played like an like intern. a training video. Like I don't know. I didn't know <laughs> what was happening the whole time because this is how ridiculous it is. It was the first thing I ever got, and they're like, "You got." They're like, "You can be the." I played like an intern in it. I guess so I was like, "All right, cool." It was shot in this big warehouse, and there were like a bunch of like models in it that were like hanging out. And I was like, literally went there. The f- they hired me on for two days. I went the first day was supposed to shoot something, but didn't. So they were like, I just literally sat there for like eight hours. Uh, once the shoot was over, left. They told me to come back tomorrow. Came back the next day. Uh, hung out was in like one thing that I remember. I had to like walk by with like a... Like a like clipboard or something? Like a like... thing of coffee or yeah. something. Did that, and then when I walked by, and then that was it. And then I got 700 bucks uh, a day. Oh, damn. That. <laughs> That's great. I got 1400 bucks like... From that, which was like insane. So this was like a mega production. They're giving you. It was big, yeah. And it was like I I thought it was gonna be like I thought cops were gonna come in, like. But I was like, why is this money? I was like, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And then after that, like nothing happened uh, for a while until I got the thing on ID Discovery. Oh, which is the next (laughs) thing where I play like the gay murderer. So uh, yeah, Jack. (laughs) He basically played a role of like a. 
dramatization of a murder story. Homicide Hunters. Homicide Hunters. Yeah. Is it still? Can you find it on, on I YouTube? I think you might be able to find it on Netflix. I mean, that's pro- that was probably the same rate, though, right? Or you probably get a little. Dip. That was a lot smaller. I got uh, I got like sixty bucks a day for that. That's it. And I got like I did maybe four days on it. Wow. So those experiences happened. Did you call home and you're like, I'm doing it, or were you kind of just like, ah, like I'll keep this one to myself? Um, I did with the um, homicide hunter thing. Because the other one, it was too weird. I didn't know what the fuck was going on with that. And they they were like, this isn't going to be on TV. This is like a... I was like, okay, good, actually, because it's right? fucking weird. But yeah, if anyone does see that, let me know. I kind of want to figure out where, <laughs> where that went. Um, seemed like a lot of money that went into it. Uh, but then I did the um, that thing, and they were like, this is going to be on like television. It's on ID Discovery. I was like, ah, oh, cool. And I like called my parents, and I was like, hey, I got this like weird role in this thing. It was like oddly easy. I didn't audition or anything. And they just like called me and were like, found a headshot. Did that, and then I called my parents, and they were like so excited. They were like trying to figure out how to find it. Like my dad got it on like DVD. He, oh, like, that's he awesome. Recorded it. <laughs> but then I saw it, and I was like, this is this is so fucking funny. <laughs> Because it was, like, a serious thing, you know? And I was, like, a murderer. And it was, like, it's one of those shows. So I was, like, this is so fucking hilarious. <laughs> that was my TV debut uh, on ID Discovery. So what about for stand-up? What was your first paid stand-up gig? Because that probably feels a little bit better. I don't really remember. There there are some, like, sh- like really small things that you kind of uh, don't. Like, I didn't. I'm sure I got paid, like, five or ten bucks gas money on something. But right. I don't remember exactly what the first time was. The one thing I do remember I got paid for was a Loyola Marymount show that West Side actually hooked up, and they were like, you want to do a show there? And they gave me like 200 bucks. Oh, hell yeah. For one night, which was like, that was amazing to me. That was like, 20 bucks is amazing to me at like a show. Right. They're like, here's 20 bucks. Is like, that, this for is, people, I give it back. For I'm people like, that don't know, much. when you do stand up in LA and probably even New York, you don't really get paid for it when you're doing local shows. Right. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, people always ask if my parents even ask if I'm going even like an hour drive. They're like, "Are you gonna get paid?" I'm like, "I'm no." The answer is always probably no. And I think like the most that you get like paid is at the clubs, and even that, like all the comedy store performers that go there every night. Granted, they're making money on TV and films and, and writing, but they only make fifteen bucks a night for a set. Yeah, improv probably only pays fifty bucks a night for a feature. Yeah, I I have no idea how it how it works. So yeah, it's uh, it's really difficult to earn money doing stand up unless you're hitting the road or, or right. getting TV gigs. Yeah, if you're doing, uh, I think colleges that pays a lot. Touring, it depends what you're doing. If you're headlining, I'm sure you can. You know, people make a living off of that. Right. Do you want to? Uh, that's actually a pretty good segue. Do you want to talk about your? Because you guys went on a couple tours. Because you did one in, the, in New England. Well, because we all, all the three of us do stand up. Primarily, we all make these videos, but we all do stand up. We prefer stand up like live. We're all from New England. We were like, let's that'd be fun to like go back and see if we can like do some shows. We lined all that up. It was so fucking fun. It was like the funnest thing I've done in a while. But it like we did lose money. It was it was hard. It was like a lot of traveling, but that does not pay a lot. Unless you have a pretty big following. Right, exactly. It was really hard to fill places. Even if people do say they are a fan of yours or anything like that, it's like still like impossible to like get everyone in one place and mm-hmm. like, you know coordinate people's schedules. Exactly. And- 
but luckily for most of the shows we did that new england tour was uh we knew a lot of people that we grew up with and everything that came out so yeah. it was like friends and family and i think you guys made some up. you guys made some money at the burlington show right yeah yeah, and we did. I think. Well, the Probably thing is, broke even with like everything. we all flew out there too, so like we had to pay for that ourselves. And yeah. the money we made doing the actual shows was pretty good money, but it uh, virtually like we were even. Everything of included. What we spent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to think about everything: food, right, lodging, gas, all that stuff, right. And it's and I mean it's it's, uh, it's agents taking <laughs> taking their cut when they don't deserve it. Cut. Yeah, and it's sacrifice too because like <laughs> we did that, but then right before we left for that, Ryan and I found out that we're uh, going to Montreal after that for just for laughs for just for laughs. Literally like four days after we would get back, and what and when Ryan you were an hour had, and a half away from right, and Montreal Ryan, and Ryan had a job. And uh, he tried to uh, take, like, the two weeks off and pretty much just got fired. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you can't do that. You can't take that much time off. Yeah. So Ryan kind of at that point had to be like, oh, tour in Montreal or, like, have a job when I get back. And he was like, well, all right. But so you like, have to. Those are the Well, sacrifices. that was the thing. Like, he essentially lost his job, you know, which that it sucks but you know it's kind of just like he went on those both of those trips knowing that he was just not going to have a job when he got back. Yeah. But you have Which to, because uh, that's what we, you know, that's what you come out here for. Oh yeah, I mean, he's not gonna not go. Yeah, but Jack is still doing stand up, still writing, still doing the video stuff, and it's all great. Um, he currently also works at my favorite bar in in L.A., the Commons Ale House. Yep. And so I take the end of the podcast to kind of talk about some like hypotheticals and your own personal viewpoints about money. At the bar, we deal with a lot of... You hooked this job up. I did. I did yeah. hook it up. Yeah. But at the bar, as a patron and also as an employee, you deal with a lot of strange homeless people who are you know, heavily impoverished, who don't have anywhere to go. So I like to ask people sometimes like, what their viewpoint is on charity and kind of the homeless population and what you think some of the root problems are in those subjects. Damn, that's like some heavy shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. I don't know what it is. I'm still trying. I, I label it as comedy uh, just because I have comedians on it, but it's you know it's about money, dude. So we're trying yeah. to talk about some real issues at the end here. I think like all homeless people are, uh, you know, magical and uh, <laughs> just little fairies roaming uh, the earth. No, it's a bummer, man. If someone's, it's a bummer that there are homeless people. That's right. uh, that sucks too. But I think a lot of it has to do with mental illness and. Uh, you know, I don't fucking, I don't know. You know well, I mean, I guess like, I guess more specifically, like the charity aspect of it, like when, like, what do you feel like when you get asked to donate money or donate food or donate a cigarette when you, when you hear it constantly throughout the day, do you get biased towards certain people that ask you that? Do you give to some and not to others or is it just how you're feeling or do you give to nobody? Well, I mean, you've seen how it is around that area, right? There's all walks of life for that. You know, you'll get people that are, uh, they're just people that don't have a home and they're just like, it's like, sure, I'll, I'll help someone out. You know, I'll give somebody, you know, a cigarette. I mean, to be honest, if someone, if a homeless person asks for change, I usually don't give it because there's like a, a weird thing in my mind where it's like, I don't have any money. You know, this would be a good thing. I don't know what they're going to spend it on. I've done it before where I've given food to homeless people. Like I worked at the, mm -hmm. the production job I had would order lunch a lot. And they'd have, like, a ton of leftovers. Like, a, they'd go to, like, delis, and they'd get, like, 
I just there'd be bags of like meat, you know, yeah. just like sandwich meat that would just stay in a fridge. And there was an alleyway in the back where there were a lot of homeless people walked by, and uh, I would just I would just give them bags of meat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> meat bags, weird. meat bags. Come and get your meat bags. But it was really weird, man, because if it was like a couple homeless people walking by, like you got to bring that shit to a shelter or something where it's like regulated Organized and regulated, because yeah. like. I've given it to people. I've given, I've taken bags of meat and food home from that work, and there are homeless guys in an alleyway behind where I lived, and I would literally see them, and I'd be like, "Hey, do you want some like food? Do you want like a bag of food?" And they'd just be like, "Ah," and they like they were too yeah. crazy or like it's not what they're looking for. Right. You know, I've happening. had I've I've had that happen to me too. Where I've I've offered a meal and they've like totally denied it. Yeah, they just like don't really want it, you know? I think it's and you don't really know what they want, you right. know? It's just like it's just they're in a very shitty situation. And we've been in a situation where there's like people are very aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, if if someone asks for a uh, change or a cigarette, and you're like, "We well, don't I don't have either of those." And they fucking remember that guy. That yeah. Were, we had a guy come up to us and just ask for a cigarette. We're like, we don't, we don't have any cigarettes for you. And he was like, you fucking rich ass UCLA motherfucker. And he had like a bag of food. Yeah, he had he a had, bag had of a, food. Had, I think like, he had like multiple bags. Like he yeah. was, he was set. But he was it's just just uncalled for. You know, yeah. it's like I'm sorry, I'm not gonna just give you. That's the thing where it's like in, when they. And they get entitled. It's like why? Why do I need to be the person that's giving yeah. you this? Like, it's like I'm not. I'm not doing well. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a lot of this stuff either. Like, I'm not homeless. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, which is, I'm, you know. Thankful So, for. very thankful to not <laughs> yeah. be homeless. But, like, Just a few, I'm also, like, yeah. not, I don't like have. like a few steps away. Like, you're, yeah. not, you're not that far off. Exactly. <laughs> like, everything that I, every ounce of money that I have right now, like, I need. Like, I don't have any, like. There's no surplus. Yeah. So, you talk a lot about, uh. That's a lot about your your act is talking about how you are doing financially. A lot of like uh, discomfort and like stress comes from not ever having any money. Right. So, I mean, of course, the, the most of your jokes are going to be about that. Right. So here's a question that I that I ask is if you had that pertains to you specifically, since you do get a lot of artistic inspiration from your current economic status is like, if you had a million dollars tomorrow mm-hmm. in your bank account, how do you think that your day to day life would change? I, if I just had a million, that would make it a lot easier. <laughs> but I guess like I'm saying, like, obviously you'd probably get like a different housing situation. You'd probably get a new car. Oh, like what would I spend it on? Yeah. Like that. And also just like, do you think that you would change like your personality would change or do you think you'd pretty much be the same? Um, yeah, I think I would like go off the rails, man. I think it just turned into like a fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can totally, I can totally see that. <laughs> just, yeah. Yeah. Fuck you, peasants. Yeah, I'd probably, well, I'd probably like, I would probably do something weird with it where I'd like, I feel like I'd go somewhere like alone, you know, cause like a lot of what keeps you around, uh, society and the society, maybe you can kind of get sick of a little bit. You have to a lot of the time to go to work and like mm-hmm. you know. So if I had a million dollars, I think maybe I'd like spend some of it to go. You'd like go rogue, be alone somewhere, you know, like rent a fucking cabin in the woods and just like be by myself mm-hmm. for as long as like it took to like you know. Do you think you could? Do you think you'd be able to trust yourself with that much money? I haven't had money for so long that like I'd conserve it pretty well, you know. Yeah, 
So you don't think that you'd go like any impulsive buys or anything like that? No, nothing like that. I would. I don't think I would do that. I think I would. Because uh, you're not like, very materialistic. No, not at all. <laughs> and I don't think that's because you don't have any money. I just think that's your personality. Yeah, and I'm, I've never, I never have been. I like, I don't really have any, any uh, big things. I have like a, a couple of guitars. Yeah, like a guitars, computer. I got a computer. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like my computer is like mostly like the most expensive thing that that I own. <laughs> that's why I take such good care of it. Have you ever had like a like? An experience where you've lost like a big chunk of money at one time, or do you have like any serious regrets that you feel that you made regarding money? Um, I'm actually glad that I went through that whole phase of like losing money out here and like sort of uh, being unemployed for that long, you know, because I tried. I tried to not be, and that like was a struggle. Like, Having to find a job and not being able to do that, it's, like, really frustrating. It's really, uh, especially, like, you, you went to college, they're sort of guaranteeing that you're going to get a job. They're like, if you that's go the, that's here. That's the promise. If you go to this place, then once you get out, you'll you'll get a job. And I went to school for fucking film, which is, like, it's you're not going to get a film job. Just because you gonna have a degree. to be You're going to have to work somewhere you don't want to work and work your way up through these ranks but it's like that's not i went to like school for art which is uh you know it's it's stupid it's stupid to do it's stupid to go have an education about art like there shouldn't really be that you should just go learn about it yourself that's funny you say that because i had my buddy uh nick just did the podcast and he went to school cleveland state school of design and art said the same exact thing well, everybody, because they get fucked when you get out, you know? If you go to school to learn about art and you're an artistic person, you're not going to want any job. Exactly. That's how yeah. it is. Like, yeah. you, you just want to do art. That's mm-hmm. what you want to do, which, if you can get paid for it, that's awesome. But, like, there's no, like, nine-to-five job where you're going to be, like, artistically fulfilled. Yeah, because it's going to be a corporate structure no exactly. matter what you do. Because of that, it's really hard to get jobs because there's like you know a million people out here, and it's you know competitive. It's very competitive, and if you didn't really have a great GPA or anything, or if you don't, that's why you really always have any lie. experience. Yeah, that's why you always lie or start doing stand up. <laughs> free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody tells you you can't go up and do it. What are uh, what are some of your biggest vices with like? With, what are your, some of your vices with spending habits? Uh, definitely booze. That's a big one. I don't splurge though. Like I really don't, I'm not a shopper. I don't go out and shop for things. I don't really buy anything that I don't need. I've sort of thought about buying certain things like a, like, like blenders. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just like appliances. Yeah. Like maybe appliances that would make stuff a little bit easier, like pots and pans, but I like don't even do that. So it's really like probably the biggest vice I have is drinking, whether it's going out to a bar and drinking or buying like beers yeah. a lot. You know, I buy a lot of weed too, which actually isn't as expensive. That lasts a little bit longer. Yeah. Booze is the one that you're just like, here's literally 50 bucks pissing it away. <laughs> for something that's going to go in my body and leave it by tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. There's like 50 bucks for that. <laughs> oh, don't I know, brother? Yeah, man. Don't I you know. know it. So with your with where you are currently in your finances, do you ever feel like you seem pretty comfortable in your own skin? But do you ever feel like embarrassed about where you're at? 
because I know we've talked about ex-girlfriends that we've had who come from families of money and how kind of that makes us feel and like that like weird well i think it's not even it's like i know a lot of people that are like that like they're very i still know people that are uh that i grew up with that have never really had to like work they'll basically are they're funded by their parents which is like that's I've I've met some people that like are really have a really interesting view on it. I've heard people say that like, oh, um, I'm not going to go out and get a job because my parents are paying for it. They're like, why would I take that job away from someone else that might like need that job? Hmm. It's like it kind of makes sense, I guess. And if you're like, you well, know, you what? like you should like volunteer at least or something, right? Like, yeah. And I mean, I used to have this like really when I was a lot younger. I used to have that mentality of it being like fucking like fucking people have to fucking work. Like it's so. Like you're jealous, or I was just kind of like I was envious and like kind of mm-hmm. like I don't, I also was just like man, like that's like that's not fair. But then after a while, I was like, it doesn't. I didn't really. I had it really great growing up yeah you know? everyone's situation is different like i worked my parents made me work but i you know my family never uh was like in the dirt you know my parents stayed together uh you know they're they really worked hard and they like they they kept the place comfortable you know mm-hmm. they got me through college you yeah. know always food on like, the table always yeah exactly so i was like i have nothing to like pool parties yeah and it's like uh i don't really have anything against that where it's like, oh, this fucking, I don't have that sort of attitude about it anymore. Or this fucking person's not fucking working. Like that's bullshit. It's like, you know what? If they don't want it, there's so many fucking people on earth that it really doesn't matter. There are people <laughs> doing like a lot worse things. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know with me in that situation. It's just, I just felt, and it was probably in my own perception, but I always just felt like, unwelcomed in a weird way because I could never relate to how those people live despite the fact that they were super nice people and in reality welcoming mm-hmm. I was just like how am I ever going to match that like what you know potentially down the road how am I going to provide for this person like their parents provided for them yeah I never that's my thing you like... talked about like relationships and being uncomfortable getting in them because you don't have Right, like and I think down the road, and I think it's also like it's it is it. I wouldn't call it a discomfort, but it's just a knowledge because I am very, uh, I I don't have shame for the amount of money that I've like the lack of money. Yeah, that nor I've should had. you. Like I think it's, uh, you know, it's my fault. I could have like I had a good upbringing. I could have you know gotten a job somewhere and like saved up a lot of money and like. But I think what you're doing is more admirable. That's what I mean. And it's like we're all in the same boat. We're all doing that. We're all like we all chose to take this route of like trying to be like an entertainer or an artist. It's like, yeah, you're not going to have any money. Like that's fine. But I think, you know, some people do view it as like something that isn't, you know, if, yeah, if you're in a relationship and then it gets down the road, you know, and you still don't have any money, that's a little bit. You know, that can it, probably wear thin on it the. It can wear thin on the, but it also like you know the the person could be cool with it too. Mm-hmm. You never really know. I just base I basically just can't get like a girl pregnant. <laughs> that's the biggest thing. Oh my god, that's so like, funny. That's that's where it comes into play. <laughs> yeah. where, like I don't have any. Do you want to? This is going to be bad. <laughs> yeah. 
because I don't have any money yeah. for that. Because the way I live right now, it's very just to keep myself alive. And... You can only support yourself. Right. You hear yeah. that, ladies? If you ever hook up with Jackie Boy, make sure he puts it on. <laughs> he puts on a nice old rubber. He'll be taking the pill because he can't have any kids right now. Cannot. All right, we're getting to uh, we're getting to the end here. I usually I usually wrap it up with more of a a grandiose political question. This is a big topic right now in politics: is the the overall disparity between you know the classic one percent and the rest in the middle class and everything like that. Mm. I don't know how in tune you are to politics, but this could even be something that's your own personal thing without knowing too much about policy. But how do you think America and the world abroad can get more harmonious economically without, you know, having that huge gap between the super, super rich and everyone else who's struggling for wage jobs. The apocalypse, man. Yeah, you think you just got to press the, ra- <laughs> press the reset be... button? I, I don't think Do you it's... think we're getting to that point, though? Or, like, seriously, like, of a, like a To revolution? an apocalypse? Well, like, of a, like a, it wouldn't necessarily have to be the dramatic everyone dies apocalypse, but a, a version of that where it's where it is a revolution, where it could be... A systematic apocalypse. Yeah, I think there's a it's it's fun. It's a sort of a fun thing to you know romanticize about and like think it's like a you know it'd almost be funny if there was something. But I don't. I don't know, man. I feel like it's sort of always been like this. Like this whole one percent, the rest of it. Like I feel like that's people started talking about that. It's just that's how it's been for like a long oh. time. I mean, yeah, I think like you can even go back to like medieval ages and it's yeah. then it's that way. It's like always going to be this way. There's nothing anyone can really do about it. It's never going to even out. That's, you know, that's like, you know, that's anarchy, you know, or whatever communism, you know. It's mm-hmm. like it's and that's you know, there are ideas of communism that I've like heard that I'm like all yeah. right, yeah, everyone shares. That's essentially what it is, but I think it's like well, it's it's never going to be that way, right? It's well, never I've always, be I've always I was taught. I know this was probably by a, a political science professor that was very left leaning, but he always kind of described, you know, democracy as the best worst form of government. When in like reality, a communism or a socialism, if done properly, would be better for all mankind. However, it's never been done properly because there are still powers in charge that take that power and corrupt it mm-hmm. and create a 1% for not people but for politicians. Yeah. And it's like it's constantly – we're growing at an insane rate. Like it's like there's – there's overpopulation's always been a thing that I've always thought about. Like there are just – there are too many people, mm-hmm. you know, especially in like big cities – where everyone's like on top of each other. There's there's too many people. So like it's it's getting to the point where like I don't think anything's close to cut and dry and like there right. are always gonna be things that aren't harmonious and like it's always gonna be the more there are, the the messier it, it gets. Yeah. The is you know, people can talk about sort of a you know, a, a fix to all of it or whatever, but I don't know, if we just keep growing it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna get worse. Don't have babies for Jack's financial yeah. problems. Real bummer. Also, real bummer thought process. And also, and also for the <laughs> world's problems. Just stop having kids. Yeah. Jack, what are you at on Twitter? Jack Robichaud? At Jack Robichaud. It's funny on Twitter. Check out Dead Kevin on YouTube. Jack Robichaud on YouTube. Check out uh, Bad Clones. One of my favorites. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, dude, for sitting down and talking to me on the Talking Cash podcast. Yeah, man. Good times. All right, let's do some writing. Cool. 
What a good talk with my friend Jack Robichaud. We always say to each other, another one in the books when we talk about stand-up sets, so there's another podcast in the books right there. One more time, thank you for listening, and if you like the podcast, please subscribe to it on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com backslash podcast. And also on iTunes, you can find it there on the app. And tell your friends about it if you enjoy it. We want more listeners, we want more guests to keep this thing going. So once again, tune in next week for another episode of the Talking Cash Podcast. And remember that money is meant to be spent.